I hope that you will turn with me in a Bible to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. And our focus today will be on verses 1 to 6. Reading the introduction to King David's song of praise and thanksgiving to the God who delivers. But before we read the body of the scripture, notice the title directly above verse 1. There we read, For the director of music of David, the servant of the Lord. He sang to the Lord the words of this song, When the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So we're given the context of this psalm. This is a psalm that emerges out of the troubles and the trials, the dangers, the toils, the snares of life lived in this world. In other words, David knows what he's talking about. And don't we need this kind of encouragement, this kind of peace in these days? Because ready or not, the Omicron variant is upon us. Just when we thought maybe, maybe we were able to back off a little bit from talking about the coronavirus, or at least from having it dominate our discussions and dominate the news, think again. And the reality is, if it were not the Omicron variant, it would be another letter of the Greek alphabet until we get to Omega. And the reality is, if it were not COVID-19, it would be something about the economy. And if it we're not something about the economy, it would be a war, or a natural disaster, or climate change. There's always something in this world that threatens our peace. Always something. And so what we see in David, and what we need to learn through the Holy Spirit's instruction today, is this truth. You cannot prevent dangers from threatening your peace. You may be able to delay them, to put them off, but ultimately, no amount of planning, no matter how much effort we put in, can prevent those things that threaten, those dangers, toils, and snares that threaten our peace, but you can prepare for any danger, for any toil, for any snare, by learning to carry everything to God in prayer. By learning to pray. Do we know how to pray? We probably think we do, but we need 
to have David instruct us here as he teaches us what it means to truly pray to the God of all peace. So let's read together, beginning at verse 1. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. So we cannot prevent dangers, but we can prepare for them by learning to pray. And in David, we see that dangers in this world will threaten your peace and my peace. They will be threatened. We need to acknowledge this. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on this because it should be obvious. And yet, how often do you see a headline? How often do you read an email? How often do you have a doctor's appointment? And it just completely throws your day, if not your whole week, off. Maybe it feels like it's even derailing your whole life. It doesn't take much, does it? It doesn't take much for our peace, the peace of our hearts and our minds to be unsettled and shaken, rattled, so that we're completely disoriented and we don't know where to turn. But we need to brace ourselves in this reality, that in this world, as Jesus tells us, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. Not might, but you will. Not some, but trouble. Have you come to grips with this truth? I hope it's not news to you. In this world, we will have fears within and fightings without. If it's not conflict In your heart and your mind, it will be conflict with someone else. If it's not news out there that's troubling you, it will be the worries within your own life. Something or someone will endanger your peace. And this is, first of all, because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is not as it should be. And the reason it's not as it should be is because of human sinfulness. Because you and I have all walked away from our Creator. We, like sheep, have wandered. 
away from the fold of God. We have followed the desires and the devices of our own hearts. We've done what we wanted to do. We've followed what looks good to us. And we've done this as long as the human race has been around. It's as old as Adam and Eve. And it's going on right now. And so, this is a fallen world. This is a world where there is disease. There is death. There is hardship. There will be trials. And we see this even in David's life. David says, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction Overwhelm me. I'm drowning in dangers. That's his testimony. I'm drowning in dangers. Why? Well, you look at David's life. What are the dangers he faced? He didn't go looking for a crown. He had no desire to be king of Israel. God chose him. God anointed him. And you would think that God's choice would lead to peace and blessing and harmonious relationships. But nothing could be further from the truth. Pretty soon we see him facing off against Goliath, the giant. And then when God allows him to triumph over Goliath, surely then he's going to know peace and security. No. Then the first king of Israel, King Saul, grows intensely and violently jealous toward David and does everything he can to kill David so that David, God's anointed and chosen king, he has God's promises made to him, finds himself living as an outlaw in the wilderness, wondering when and how God is ever going to fulfill his promises. But then, God does fulfill his promise, and he's delivered from the hand of Saul when Saul and his army is routed by the Philistines, and Saul himself is killed. Surely then, David will know peace and security. Not so fast. Then, when he finally is on the throne, where does the danger come from? His own son, Absalom. Betrayed by one of his own children, who is also jealous for the throne of Israel. David knows what he's talking about when he says, I'm drowning in dangers. He knows this is not cloud nine thinking. This is not disconnected from real life. And we see it even in David's greatest son, King Jesus. David was God's adopted son. Jesus was and is God's eternal son. Surely, his eternal son doesn't have to endure these kinds of dangers, does he? Oh yes, in fact. As we read in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, 
He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Jesus, David's greatest son, even he is crying out with tears in turmoil. Even he knows what it feels like to be drowning in danger. To have death all around you and you can't see any light. He knew betrayal. He knew hunger. He knew thirst. And he even knew the pain and the agony of death. Not for good people, but for sinners like you and like me. He knows this reality. So make no mistake about it. In this world, there will be dangers that threaten your peace. Brace yourself now for that reality. If you don't feel it now, you will feel it soon. So what do we do? We learn to pray. Learn to pray. Now, it might seem strange to hear me say, learn to pray. I mean, don't we all know how to pray? I mean, we gather for a Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas, someone's going to pray. Surely we know how to pray. Anyone who thinks that prayer is easy has never really tried to pray. Prayer, real, genuine, heartfelt prayer, does not come naturally to human beings. And it doesn't come naturally for one reason. It's not because of our fear of public speaking. I mean, that may inhibit us to some extent. That's really not the problem. The problem is that we struggle to connect with a God we can't access through our senses. We can't see him. So how are we supposed to talk to him? How are we supposed to know him? A God we can see, hear, smell, see, taste, touch? Well, that comes naturally. And this is the root of idolatry. We're really good at giving our time, giving our attention, giving our love, giving our words to the things we can see. We do that all the time. We create idols out of anything. But to give our words and our time and our attention and our hearts to a God we cannot see? This is the disconnect. This is the struggle. This is why we need to learn to pray. Learn to pray. And we learn to pray as David learned to pray. And that starts by knowing who God is. Knowing who God is. And who is God according to King David? Look at verses 1 to 2. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. And he, and he keeps piling up the images. My fortress and my deliverer. 
My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. Do you know who God is? Do you know Him to be strength, to be a rock, to be a fortress, to be strong in the face of danger or not? Or you read over David's descriptions and he said, that sounds good, but I don't know that. Well, then hear who God is. Realize that in these descriptions, we see that God is both powerful to defend and He's powerful in and through His people when they go on offense. What do I mean? He's a rock. He's a fortress. He's a place where you can hide. You can turn to Him when you're facing fears and doubts and worries. Fall back on Him. You can lean on Him. And He will protect you. He will keep you safe. But we can't hide all day long, can we? It's a comfortable place. It's a safe place. We want to be in our fortress. And the image for fortress, if you can imagine the great fortress that is still in Israel to this day, Masada, that means fortress. This rocky fort up high on a mountain. That's what we're to picture. God is like that to his people. We can go up there and we can enjoy an impregnable defense, but we can't stay up there. At some point, we have to go out in the world, right? And we have to face the dangers that come from being in this world, from other people or from our circumstances. Then what? Then we see that God is powerful when his people go on offense. He gives us a shield. He is a horn of our salvation. A horn. And we're to picture a a bull's horn that can pierce, that can penetrate. And we have the shield to protect us from the arrows of the enemy that come our way. God can protect His people. Whether we're hiding in Him or we're going out for Him in the world. Do you know God to be this way? And then notice who God is to David. Who is God to you? This is who he is. Take him or leave him. This is who he is. But who is he to you? As David is drowning in danger, as the cords of death are suffocating him, he can say, I cried to my God for help. Verse 6. And again in verse 2. My God is my rock. Do you see how personal God is to David? He's not just a character on a page. He's not just a figure from history. He's not just someone that other people talk about. He knows him. He doesn't just know about him. He knows him personally and intimately. And this is the best way to learn to pray, is to get to know Him. Now, if you were to look back 
to your call log, so to speak, yesterday. If you were to check the recent calls of your life, would God ever show up there? You scroll through, when was the last time I made a call to God? When was the last time I talked to him? Well, is God even a contact in your phone, so to speak? Have you saved him as a favorite so that you can turn to him often? You can speed dial or no? Here's what we need to know. If you trust in God, then you will pray to God. It doesn't do any good to say, yes, I trust in God. Yes, He's my rock. Yes, He's my deliverer. He's my fortress. He's my stronghold. If you don't pray to Him, prayer is the way we show our trust, prove our trust. We talk to Him. We cry out to Him. We call to Him. Do you pray? Start today. Start now. Yes, you will have a lot to learn. Yes, you need to grow in your acquaintance with Him. You need to grow in your understanding of what He loves and how He wants to be worshipped. Not the worship we want to bring, but the worship He truly desires from His people. You have a lot to learn about what He hates, what He despises, what brings His condemnation and judgment You have a lot to learn about these things. But start now. It's not too late. Get to know Him so that you can pray with David when the cords of death surround you and you're drowning in danger. I cried to my God. I know Him. He's been there for me before and He will be with me now and I trust Him to be with me forever. Do you know Him? Do you know anything of what David is describing here? The spirituality that he describes. The intimacy he knows. Or is this all foreign to you? You don't know God as a fortress or a stronghold or a rock or a horn. I pray that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would see God as you have never seen Him before. That you would turn to Him with urgency, with passion, intensity, because he will hear. But when we do so, remember that the Lord is worthy of praise. Sometimes our first instinct, when dangers come, temptations come, we know we need help. And so we cry out a Hail Mary. God, if you're there, please, please, now, I need this. I need you to help this loved one. Please. And that comes fairly naturally. We know what we want and what we need, and so we pray that way. But you need to know that if your prayer life only consists of making requests and asking for this or asking about that, it's really a form of complaining to God. It's really a form of complaining. And it's what The Apostle Paul warns us of 
in Philippians 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and don't miss this, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God is worthy to be praised. No matter where you are in your life, no matter how much you feel like you are are drowning in danger, no matter how stuck you feel, no matter how disoriented you may feel, no matter how dark your circumstances may appear, no matter how bleak it looks, you have something to give thanks to God for. If there is blood coursing through your veins, if you have breath in your lungs, give thanks. Praise God for that if you can't praise Him for anything else. Make your requests, your supplications, Come to God, bring those requests. Yes, pray for loved ones. Pray for the church. Pray for the nation. Pray for the world. Yes, all of that. But do so with thanksgiving. Because it's your praise of God. It's your, your thanking, your thanksgiving that adds strength to your request because you know God to be a God who comes through. He's come through before and you trust Him to come through now. This is an expression of your trust and your faith in Him. May God protect your prayers and my prayers from being mere complaints. Just trying to get something from Him. Because notice, it's not what we get from God. It's God Himself. I love You, Lord, my strength. You are my rock, my fortress. It's not this blessing It's not this gift. It's not this feeling. It's you. It's you. Do you want God above all? Do you enjoy God? Do you delight in God? Do you love God above everything else? That's the kind of intimacy God wants from his people. It's the kind of intimacy we see in King David. It's the kind of intimacy we see in the Lord Jesus crying out to his Father fervently and with tears. And then we see in David that we need to learn how God answers prayer. Learn how God answers prayer. And in David, we see that before God plucks us out of trouble, he pulls us through trouble. And this is not the way we would have it, is it? We want a quick fix. I want to medicate this now. I want to make this go away now. Don't make me go through more than I have to. No, now. Get these enemies away. Take care of Saul now. Then take care of Absalom. Take care of this circumstance. Make this hurt go away. Make this burden go away. Solve this problem now. That's how we want God to answer. We don't want him to just pluck us out and bring us into a spacious place. Now, can he do that? Will he do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Eventually he will, even if We don't see that deliverance in this life. We will see it in the life to come if we love God 
with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But in the meantime, be prepared for God to pull you through so that you will have to face Saul. And you may encounter the betrayal of Absalom. And you may know hunger and thirst, if not literally, then spiritually. Be prepared to know worry and fear, to shed tears through grief, whatever it is in your life. God will pull you through and He will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of it. Do you know this peace? He is the God of all peace and He can give you this peace in the midst of the torrents of destruction, the cords of the grave as they coil around you, around you, around you, around you. He can give you a peace. Do you know that? I pray that you would know it. That he would give it to you by his grace and for his glory today. Do you know how God answers prayer? Have you gotten to know him? When was the last time you cried out to him for help? May this be the day. We want quick fixes. We want deliverance, and that's not God's way. And you say, well, if God is all-powerful, then why does he make us endure these things? Why do I have to go through this? Why can't he just give it to me now if he can? And of course, the enemies of the faith will use this against us, and they'll say, see, Why do you believe in this God? If if he was really God, if he was really all-powerful, then he could just fix this. He wouldn't let that happen. Here's what I know. Here's the reality I can testify to. My prayer life has been the strongest and the most intimate when I have faced the worst of my trials. It is in that squeeze between fears within and fightings without that we are driven to our knees in prayer because we have nowhere else to turn. And God uses that not only to form your character, but to deepen your your fellowship and your communion with Him, your enjoyment of Him. Just like in any human relationship, when you've been through a trial together, when you've faced combat with someone, when you've been in controversy and conflict with someone, whether it's a marriage, a friendship, you know there is a bond forged by those fires. How much more the bond that is forged as you rely on your God to pull you through those trials, those dangers, toils, and snares. He will draw you closer to Himself. He will transform you into the image of Jesus. He will use that pain. He will use that grief. He will use that suffering. No, we don't want it to be that way. We want to avoid that at all costs, but God can use that. And He will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. May you know that peace. As we remember those words of what a friend we have in Jesus. 
oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Don't forfeit this peace. This isn't about guilting you to pray more. This is about pleading with you to come to this God. He's done everything that is necessary for you and I to approach as we will approach His table in just a moment. He sent His one and only Son to be our peace, to die in your place, to shed His blood, to cover your sins and my sins. Will you receive the gift? Even when this problem, this danger doesn't go away, you have Jesus, and Jesus is enough. He is your peace. Do you know Him as your peace? Receive Him. He's nearer to you than the breath you're breathing. Just call out to Him. Look to Him. And He will answer. As we go to the Lord in prayer now. Dear Lord, as we approach your table, we confess that we are fallen, sinful creatures. And in our delusional thinking, we we think that there's something we can do to prevent danger, to prevent difficult circumstances and trials. But Lord, you've made that so clear that it is, in fact, delusional thinking. In this world, we will have trouble. And so, Lord, help us to prepare. And the only way we can prepare for the dangers of this life, by bringing everything to you, by crying out to you, by calling out on your name with the assurance that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, Lord, fill us with your presence. Spirit, work in our midst, we pray. All for our good and all for your glory. Humble us, Lord, under your mighty hand that we might be lifted up to enjoy you and fellowship and communion with you around this table. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.